Amen. Awesome. Acts chapter 14. Grab your Bibles, um, whether you have a physical copy like me, or you have a digital copy on your mobile device, um, turn to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. It's a nice day, isn't it? It's a lovely day. Acts chapter 14. If you're new to our church, we have been, um, as of the beginning of this year, we've been going through the book of Acts um, to discover um, what we're called to as a church um, in San Diego. And so it's been awesome and it's been amazing to see how God has used our time in Acts to encourage us um, during different seasons um, this year so it's been wonderful and so if you're new welcome I see a few new faces I'm Obed the pastor of this church and um, church has been going for about two and a half years now and um, as a church our mission is to be a church family on mission with Jesus that is what we work towards that is what we strive towards yeah cool um by the way let me just say if you're hot and you're in the sun feel free to follow the shade all right but be mindful don't end up down there or something um you don't want to do that and <laughs> and if you also are really hot like it's already announced we have some bottles of water available for you yeah all right at chapter 14 Acts chapter 14, and this week we're going to be looking at seven verses, um, verses 1 to 7, and it's the account of Paul and Barnabas' time in Iconium. Um, and so I will read, and as I read, do your best to follow along with me in your own copies of God's Word. Yeah, you guys ready? Let's get it. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derb, cities of Lycaonia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. So much in here. Let's pray. God, thank you again for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to still meet um, and to still gather together around you and your son and to be empowered by your spirit. And so God, as we look at this story um, of Paul and Barnabas' work in Iconium, um, may you speak in a supernatural and in a powerful way. God, don't 
just speak and um, we want you to give us ears to hear but we want more Lord we want to be changed and transformed by you by the power of your spirit in Jesus name Amen Amen um, as a Christian most of you here are Christians as a Christian living in the city of San Diego what I'm always reminding myself of and I always remind people of is that you are a missionary right you are not primarily here in this city to make lots of money to advance your career or to get a degree but you are and there's nothing wrong with those things nothing wrong with those things all right but you are first and foremost a missionary you're a missionary if you're a Christian if you're a Christian you're a thank you just making sure you guys are listening you're a missionary and as a missionary in San Diego God will exceed your expectations he will do great things in and through your life and your time in this city all right but although there's a lot of excitement um, around being a missionary and expecting God to move in powerful ways the reality is you will encounter challenges you will face opposition as you strive to be on mission with Jesus in this city and so what will help you endure opposition from our passage this morning we'll look at the kinds of persecution or opposition we're likely to face as a church family on mission with Jesus and we'll also look at this how our obsession with the fame of Jesus will help us endure put simply we endure opposition with an obsession for the fame of Jesus okay if you're making notes here's a big idea and I'll say it again we endure opposition with an obsession for the fame of Jesus we'll start with the types of opposition we're likely to face first um, we'll face opposition that will try to undermine the gospel last week we looked at Acts 14 Acts 14 was all about Paul and Barnabas's mission um, in a, a, a city
look at Acts chapter four, um, 13, verse 49 to 52 with me. It And now look at um, chapter 14, verse 1 again. And so this is when they arrive in Iconium. Um, look at what they do when they arrive there. Verse 1, it says of chapter 14. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. All right? Did you just catch that? So Paul and Barnabas do what they've always done done when they arrive in a new city. They go straight to the local Jewish synagogue to share the gospel. And let me just say this, that this should come as a surprise to all of us. Why is that? Because they've decided to do exactly the same thing that got them in a lot of trouble not too long ago. You remember, right, in the previous chapter, uh, they arrived in Antioch and they went straight to the synagogue and they shared the gospel, okay? And even though there was an amazing response to the gospel, they also got in a lot of trouble because of the gospel, okay? They became subject to hostility and ill treatment and ended up having to flee Antioch, okay, um, because there was looming persecution. And now they're in, they're in Iconium, a new city, and instead of taking some time to recover, instead of um, getting some R&R, &R, they go straight back to doing the same thing that got them in trouble in Antioch. They're in the synagogue, which is the hub of the Jewish community, and they're sharing the gospel and calling people to repentance. We also find out in verse 1 that they communicate the gospel in such a way, look at the last part of verse 1, in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. This basically means that there was a great response to the preaching of the gospel. A great number of Jews and Greeks believed. And so God was doing amazing. God was doing big things in Iconium. But as has always been the case, there was resistance. There was opposition to the gospel. Look at verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Unbelieving Jews initiate an attack on the gospel. And what do they do? How do they do this? All right? It tells us they stir up the Gentiles, Gentiles, non-Jews. And how do they do this? By poisoning their minds against Paul and Barnabas and the Christians in that city. So let's get into some Greek here. All right, let's get into some Greek. <laughs> a little bit of Greek, not too much, but let's just get into some Greek. The Greek word 
for the verb poison, right? The word poison is paku. It literally means this, to embitter someone's mind. And this whole idea of embittering or poisoning someone's mind is something I believe we're all familiar with. It's basically when you speak negatively about someone as a way to turn people against them. It's false accusations. It's one of the buzzwords for this year, fake news. It's false or misleading information that aims to damage the reputation of a person. And that's what's happening here, okay? The Jews, the, the Jews who reject the gospel are spreading lies, spreading negative rumors, false accusations, fake news about Paul and Barnabas as a way to turn the people of Iconium against them and against their gospel message. This kind of opposition Paul and Barnabas faced in Iconium is still alive and well in this cultural moment that we live in. We live in a culture that is on mission to undermine Jesus to poison the minds of people against who Jesus is and what he's done for us there are and, and, and it may look different okay in Iconium right many years ago thousands of years ago in first century which we're studying now it looked like the Jews, unbelieving Jews, going around and poisoning people's minds. Sort of same thing is happening now, but it looks different, but it has the same purpose. There are many ideas and philosophies out there that are getting a lot of airtime, that are trending, that are being used to poison the minds of people against Jesus and his gospel. They essentially exist to undermine who Jesus is and what he's done. For example, let's just take the prosperity gospel, for example, right? Prosperity gospel, which is a popular belief that God exists to make us rich, is an example of an ideology that seeks to undermine the true gospel, right? Also, Another example, the belief that all paths lead to God is another ideology that seeks to undermine the true gospel. It's basically this ideology of all paths lead to God. It's basically when people think that whatever anyone believes is fine so, uh, so long as they're sincere and that God will accept them in the end. This belief undermines the gospel because the gospel is radically exclusive and it proclaims that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. 
Alright, one more example. Another example that seeks to undermine the true gospel is the belief that we can earn God's love and acceptance through our good works. This undermines the gospel because the gospel is the good news that God loves and accepts us by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. These all and many others, we could spend hours looking at the many philosophies and ideas that seek to undermine the truth. We could, but these and many others exist to poison the minds of people against the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so my encouragement to you and to all of us is let's be cautious of some of these ideologies. And the way you'll know if they're false is if you become obsessed with knowing who Jesus is. And we'll get to more of that later. So first, we saw how we'll face opposition to undermine the gospel. Second, we'll see how opposition will seek to discourage us. Opposition will seek to discourage us. And so, unbelieving Jews are going around spreading lies and fake news about Paul and Barnabas as a way to turn the people of Iconium against them, okay? At this moment, the question we have to ask is, how does Paul and Barnabas respond to all of this? All right, and we've got to ask this question because we've got to also realize that their whole missionary journey so far has been a bit of a roller coaster. All right, they what's been happening is they've been going, they go into a new city, they faithfully preach the gospel, they get an amazing response to the gospel, and guess what happens? Opposition arises against them. One author describes this whole pattern as the reception opposition theme. The gospel is received and then it's opposed. And so how are Paul and Barnabas going to respond to this new wave, new form of opposition where their names have been tarnished and the gospel is being undermined? How are they going to respond? Look at verse 3. It's amazing. <laughs> so they remain for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord. It's incredible. They stick around. They don't run away. They don't keep silent. Instead, they remain in Iconium speaking boldly for the Lord. Um, Dennis E. Johnson says this, on popularity and persecution in themselves did not in intimidate the apostles into silence or flight. In other words, instead of keeping silence, instead of keep them leaving the city, they stay for a long time continuing to proclaim Christ even more boldly. And it gets even better, y'all. It's my best southern impression this gets even better okay uh, <laughs> as they boldly proclaim the gospel of who Jesus is and what he's done and um, look at the last part of verse 3 it says the Lord 
bore witness um, to the word of his grace by granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Oh my God. So basically they say Jesus was with them, okay? And he gave them the ability to perform miraculous signs and the purpose of all of these miraculous signs, and every time you hear and you um, see miraculous signs and signs and wonders in the act, in Acts, the purpose of it all is to prove that their message was true. In other words, these miracles serve the purpose in God's redemptive plan to authenticate that Paul and Barnabas are God's messengers and that everything they're saying, everything they're sharing is his message of grace. In other words, by the Lord giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders, he was essentially saying, these are my messengers and the message they're proclaiming is my message let's go on with our story so citizens of Iconium have heard with their ears the good news of Jesus and they've seen with their eyes miraculous signs and wonders to validate the message and so, all right, be honest, okay? I want you guys to be honest with me. If you never knew this story, if we hadn't read it and you hadn't read it before, what do you think would happen next? Think about it. people in Iconium, they hear the gospel, they see signs and wonders. What do you think would happen? Okay, I know some of your thoughts. I'm going to try and tap in. You, most of you would think, man, like, like everyone in this city would go ballistic. And they would be like, yes, Jesus, this is amazing. You know, that, I'm sure most of you are thinking that. How do they respond? Okay, verse 4 tells us. And it's really interesting what happens, okay? Verse 4 says, But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Really interesting reaction. It's a divided reaction. And I bet you're thinking, what, what's wrong with that? Okay, I thought, I was like, cool, some believed, some didn't. Bob's your uncle, here we go. All right? I think for Paul and Barnabas, and if I could be honest with myself, this reaction probably was not all that they expected. Because like I said, if I was them and I'm preaching and you know God's work in signs and wonders and all of those things, I would expect everyone, okay? I wouldn't expect some to turn around and go, oh, this is bologna. This is bologna, sorry, bologna, bologna. I have to say in a British accent, baloney. <laughs> can't do it in the American. This is baloney. This is ridiculous. Nah, I can't believe when reading this, people actually, there were people that actually turned around and rejected the gospel. And this reaction may have been probably 
discouraging for Paul and Barnabas because if you remember in verse 3, eh, in verse 3, they remained for a long time and they did the work of ministering to the people. Not only that, God was doing miracles. And so for some to believe, absolutely. Praise God for all those believers. For some to turn around and reject it must have been hard to see. May have been very discouraging. And I think they were heartbroken that some still denied Christ even after hearing the message of grace and seeing miraculous signs that affirm the message. Ladies and gentlemen, the truth is sometimes people just don't believe. No matter what they hear, no matter how many times they hear it, no matter what they experience, they will continue to reject Christ. No matter how well the gospel is presented, no matter how persuasive an argument is, even if you answer all of their questions in the most winsome way, even if you love and serve them well, sometimes people just don't believe. And if you're like me, you have friends and family members that you have been doing all you can to see them saved. You've been praying, you've been serving them, you've been sharing the gospel, and it's been many, many, many years. And you have seen God save other people, but there's a whole group of people in your life that continue to reject Christ. Then as E. Johnson again says, the same message of the cross that emits the fragrance of life to believers also repels unbelievers as the stench of death. And this can be discouraging when we pray and we've tried for years. And that person that you love so dearly that you would love to see surrender their lives and see the beauty of the Jesus. They just don't and they continue to reject. And it can cause you to lose motivation to share the gospel. We've seen how we'll face opposition that will try to undermine the gospel. We've also seen how opposition may seek to discourage us. Lastly, okay, we'll see how opposition can conspire to persecute us. As is often the case, and with conflict, when Paul and Barnabas pushed back and they continued to serve, those who spoke against them the opposition got worse. The opposition went from spreading rumors to tarnish their reputation 
into conspiracy to humiliate and kill them. And so an attempt is made by some of the leaders in the city to stop to stone them. Look at verse 5 and 6. It says, when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and uh, cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding country. And so Paul and Barnabas have been showing great courage in the face of opposition, but they've come to the point now where their opponents have created a situation so dangerous they must leave the city quickly to avoid getting seriously hurt and so somehow they hear about this conspiracy and plot to stone them they hear about it and what they do what do they do they make plans to flee the city of Iconium and so they flee to Lystra and Derb and as soon as they arrive in these cities what happens yep you guessed it they start to share the gospel. And if you don't believe me, look at verse 7. And there they continue to preach the gospel. They start doing exactly the same thing that nearly got them killed not too long ago. For real? Yeah, for real. After all they went through, after facing opposition to undermine the gospel, after witnessing people reject Christ, even though many signs and wonders were done, after nearly being stoned to death, they got right back to preaching the gospel, the very same message that nearly got them killed. If you go to your local gym, you will see many people in there, actually you can't at the moment, but whatever. If you go online to a YouTube fitness instructor and you see all their views, okay, all of those people that have viewed that video are working out, okay, and they're committed to working out and keeping fit for one reason, right? They wanna stay in shape whether physically, emotionally, or mentally, because exercise is good, okay? That is what is them, motivating them. That is what is keeping them going. And so my question to you this morning is, what's keeping Paul and Barnabas going? What's motivating them to endure all of this opposition? Through the highs and lows of mission work, what helped Paul and Barnabas endure? What is it? Remember, an obsession with the fame of Jesus. In other words, <laughs> what enabled them to endure constant opposition was a burning desire to see everyone everywhere know and love and live for Jesus. It's what helped them endure. And it's the very same thing that will help you endure when you encounter opposition because of the gospel.
what you need to endure the challenges of mission is not a motivational speech. Okay? It's not one daily devotional. can be helpful. What you need to endure the challenges of being a missionary in San Diego is an obsession for the fame of Jesus Christ. And this obsession, right, comes by observation. Okay, you're asking, how can I grow in this obsession? How can I cultivate a desire to, so for people to know and love Jesus Christ? What is it? It comes by reflecting and observing. It comes by daily reflecting on who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And that commitment to reflecting on Jesus and who he is, whether it's through Bible reading, through going to a community group and studying scripture, whether it's praying, whatever it is, okay, that commitment is what will give you an obsession to make Jesus famous wherever he's put you. Think about this. Yeah, I was thinking about this. When we experience something good, what do we want to do? We want to share it. We want to tell everyone about it. And this is the exact principle or reason behind why Instagram and Facebook and social media is doing so well and so successful, okay? Most of the posts you see are people sharing things or experiences they really like. See it all the time, like, oh my gosh, this restaurant, it's awesome. You gotta go, and they got a picture of the food, a picture of the sun, you know? It's amazing, we experience something good, we want to share it, and this should be the same with the gospel. We need to have a burning desire. burning desire for everyone everywhere to know, love, and live for Jesus. Why? Because it's the gospel, and it's the good news, and it's the greatest news in all of the world, and we should have a burning desire, an obsession for the fame of Jesus. Some of you are listening. It's fine. Stop. Some of you are listening and you're like, to be honest, Obed, look, I've not endured, mate. I've allowed opposition to discourage me and silence me. My past attempts to share the gospel have been unsuccessful. You know, I've fumbled over my words or, you know, I'm discouraged because my relative or friend I've just been trying and praying and there's been no change and I just feel like giving up and I'm struggling to believe that God can save I have major doubts and everything like that and I just don't feel motivated anymore I don't feel motivated to, to, to want people to, to, to know and love Jesus I just don't I wish but I've experienced so much disappointment 
in this area. I'm discouraged and I've lost motivation. And if this is you, you're in good company, all right? In good company. And most importantly, there is hope for you and everyone who feels this way from time to time. And so, how can you revive a burning desire for the fame of Jesus? You can begin to revive an obsession for the fame of Jesus by reflecting on who Jesus is and what he's done. It sounds simple, but it's hard to maintain. Why? Because we don't see tangible results right away. Some of you are going to go home, try it this week, and go, I don't feel anything. I've prayed, I've read scripture, I've reflected, oh, I'm not bullpen. What's wrong? I'm not feeling anything. You just give up. But we shouldn't allow our feelings to dictate the work God is doing in our lives. It's about consistency and commitment. And so, King's Cross Church, may we be a church that is obsessed with the fame of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to the point where Whatever opposition comes our way, we will endure. And we will endure. Why? Because we are obsessed with who Jesus is. And we are obsessed for others to know him. Let's pray. Thank you, God. This is the work you can, only you can do, God. And so by the power of your spirit, may you stir in our hearts a passion for your name. May you do this, God. In Jesus' name, amen.